0: Welcome to the Profiles in Persistence show. I'm Dusty Rollins, founder and owner of Oxford Business Services. We help entrepreneurs and business owners maximize their profit and minimize their taxes. We believe there should be limits to how much the IRS can punish your success. Stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest on this great inspirational daily podcast. Let's go.
1: This is Tom Fox, back for another episode, and today I have with me Paul Claxton. Paul has a really interesting and unique background that, frankly, I learned a lot about in researching for this podcast, and I'm very excited to be able to visit with him. So, Paul, first of all, welcome, and thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me today.
2: Thank you for having me on the show, Tom.
1: Paul, could you tell us a little bit about your professional background?
2: Uh, my professional background started uh, about 20 years ago when I joined the Marine Corps. Um, during my time in the Marine Corps, I got uh, a chance uh, to kind of try my hand at um, you know working in, in different uh, environments, geographies, and uh, a number of areas. Uh, from you know in terms of uh, you know leading leading missions um, in combat environments, uh, I ran a command operations center. Um, and uh, I also ran um, remedial physical fitness training platoons for the for the Marine Corps. Uh, so I got to do a number of different things there um, that really kind of helped broaden um, my you know perspective and in, in terms of um, you know leadership and um, running teams, managing teams, managing processes. And um, when I left the Marine Corps in 2010, I kind of took all that experience and I built it. And to, um, you know, kind of scaling, kind of uh, uh, progressing myself through the different realms of, of corporate, working for large companies, Fortune 500, as well as boutique firms. Uh, and then the last four years, I've taken all of that experience and my my experiences from corporate and the military, and I built that and packaged it in uh, to running my my business operations. So I've been an entrepreneur for the last four years now, and. Um, it's It's been uh, many ups and downs, many learning experiences, but it, it's been a good ride. And so looking forward to uh, what the future brings.
1: So, Paul, one of the things that fascinated me about uh, you and your background was that now you really advocate uh, operational leadership. And uh, you talked about operational areas of a business. And while many people talk about maybe tone at the top or setting the right tone of a leader or other things. You talk about operational leadership, and I was wondering what started you on that particular part of the leadership journey?
2: So, you know, it, operational leadership, um, you know, I, I, I learn kind of uh, from my experiences, but I've also learned from, um, you know, good and bad leaders, both alike, um, and then I've also had kind of more structured learning experiences, right? Like going to college and uh, what I would call more formalized uh, learning environments. But it's really the experiences that has uh, allowed me to to really apply all that and taking bits and pieces both from good and bad leaders and learning how to kind of apply that to an initiative or an operation. Um, you know, essentially every uh, you know everything that we do in business is. It's, it's basically an operation in, in one sense or another. I think in business we might refer to it more so as uh, projects, right? So you get the term project management. Um, but in the Marine Corps, you know, we refer. It's just a matter of terminology. We refer to it more as a mission or completing the mission. And so I've taken all of that and 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 uh, kind of replicated and replicated that and reformed it into my own time and time again I'm constantly fine-tuning and I'm building that into my own businesses for how I can go out and achieve success um, or you know build a new product or uh, launch a new idea or, or product into the market and put teams together to, to go out and achieve uh, goals that, that we set out for. So that's that's kind of uh, you know how I look at operations. Um, it, at a broad level, I guess, in terms of my experience.
1: Well, I think when many civilians think of the Marine Corps, they may think of uh, Marine Corps basic training, uh, Paris Island, Camp Pendleton, uh, turning out uh, very good soldiers for the United States. And they really don't think about the Marine Corps as ter- in terms of leadership or, uh, as you used the term, in business operational leadership, also mission or, or uh, leadership as well, what, what did you really learn in the Marine Corps uh, that's informed your views on leadership? You've touched on that a little bit. Oh, I was wondering if you might explain that a little bit more.
2: So, you know, I, I think I think that there, there are stigmas uh, kind of associated with the military, um, you know, and we look at the military as kind of like this machine, right, that goes out and, you know, they they go out and they, uh, you know, they, they invade countries or they conduct missions. And. Uh, war zones and and so forth. But the military is nothing more than um, a business, so to speak. They, they have a marketing budget, they have a sales budget, they have um, everything that um, a regular private sector or public sector organization would have. And the thing is, is that the military is in the business of war. That's why they say business of war, right? And so there's nothing more serious than uh, the business of war, right? And so everything is essentially the smallest decision that you make could be a life or death matter in the military that is. And so having, t- being able to take that serious approach and, uh, you know, transform that or use that the, that methodology so to speak for um, accomplishing a mission or um, accomplishing a, a project initiative um, can really, you know, it, it can really take people from, um, you know, from a state of, I guess you could say ground zero to, you know, um, where they need to go in terms of scaling, um, or, you know, kind of um, getting to the finish line, so to speak. Um, So I would look at it in terms of, in terms of leadership, um, you know, accountability, responsibility, um, you know, are big factors when it comes to corporate leadership. So um, you know many of the things that, that we experience in the Marine Corps um, or in the military in general that that people experience can be uh, replicated into uh, the private sector as well so many people don't think of it um you know of, of the military in terms of like you know how, how can how can that benefit corporate leadership um, but that's that's one that's kind of been one of my major goals is to kind of transform that and educate people on, you know, what is leadership really all about? And we, we kind of overcomplicate it, um, it, but it's really not more complicated than just taking responsibility and, and having accountability for, for one's actions.
1: I really like your use of the word accountability, because to me, uh, accountability means not only uh, taking responsibility for your actions, but taking responsibility yep. for those around you. And that they're right. accountable back to you—is that a part of the Marine Corps tradition as well?
2: It really is, and and we look at things. We, we look at um, things like you know everyone's a leader in the Marine Corps. Um, you know, from the top from the private all the way up to the general, um, everyone is essentially a leader. Um, you know, because we all we all bleed the same, right? And so, um, at the end of the day, uh, you know, when you have rounds flying down range and you know, you, you've got things that are happening. Um, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's that person that's putting his life on the line. Um, there's the true test, That that's kind of the ultimate test of so the leaders. What do you do for your people, right? And so that's, that's why they, they talk about servant leadership. Um, it's all about what you do for people. And, um, you know, there, there is no greater sacrifice than, you know, putting one's life on the line. But it's, it's not that in business we're necessarily putting our lives on the line. That's not the case um, typically. But if we take that approach and, and uh, that mindset into you know, just what we do in business day-to-day, um, then you know, it can really, really um, kind of build that, that authenticity that you need um, that allows people to follow you, um, that empathetic leadership style that allows people to follow you and trust you Um, and empower them to be able to do their jobs to really build great teams and great organizations.
1: Well, if I could change the focus just a little bit to uh, your book called Building the Nucleus. And you have uh, said of your book, uh, this book is about getting through tough times. And frankly, I can't think of a tougher year, at least here for most of the United States. And uh, so I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about this and start off with why did you write this book?
2: So I I feel like, you know, I've had a lot of experiences um, throughout my life, even outside of the Marine Corps, prior to the Marine Corps, um, you know, just broken household, um, you know, losing my mom at at the young age of 14 and just having many experiences at at a young age um, that have kind of, um, it's, it's kind of my, my life has been, been very unique. Right. And so, um, you know, when I joined the Marine Corps at 18, that continued, I continued to have um, very unique experiences, unorthodox um, or uncommon experiences that, you know, many people don't have an opportunity um, to live through. And so I've, I've kind of, I've lived um, multiple lives kind of in one, in one very short life. I'm only 39 years old. And uh, what that has allowed me to do is it, it's on me to view the world much differently. Um, and it's kind of um, has caused me to um, think about, you know, what's most important in life, so to speak, and then how do, how do we get through hard times, right? How do we get through the, the tough times that um, COVID has been a tough year? Um, you know, or how, do, how does someone get through? Maybe the loss of a loved one, or um, perhaps you know, maybe maybe their their uh, company went out of business, or they've been laid off um, abruptly. And I think it all comes down to mind, body, spirit, in terms of uh, just you know, kind of removing the complexity out of things, right? And um, just remembering that um, you know we're here. We you know every day that we get to live is is a is a <laughs> blessing. You know, everything else is just kind of icing on the cake. Um, but when we realize how how valuable you know life is, and um, that that is not we're not entitled to that, then I think life kind of takes on a whole new meaning. And so that's kind of the the mind body spirit approach in terms of you know taking care of your mind, but also your body, and then maintaining you know a high level of spirit, um, no matter what happens you know externally. Um, you know, just kind of having that that um, existential being, so to speak, um, will help kind of push us through the hard times. And I've had to rely on that mind, body, spirit approach a number of times throughout my life. Um, and you know, it's allowed me to get through four tours in Iraq. It's it's helped me, you know, get through um, times when I was growing up. Um, you know, where you know I didn't know what was going on. I I didn't you know. My parents were, you know, um, going through divorces and this and that, and it was a really ambiguous time for me during my childhood, or even let's just say, for example, um, the last four years in entrepreneurship, um, where you kind of have to rely on yourself, right? And so it's looking within yourself with that mind-body-spirit approach that has even carried me through the last four years of entrepreneurship, where, most people don't even make it through the first year of entrepreneurship. Um, but it's just kind of taking it day by day. And then being in the moment, and then focusing on yourself is a solution, right? And how can you kind of control the, the um, you know, your circle of influence, the things around you, and let go of the things that you can't control, it's going to be what it's going to be. And so that's, I, I've kind of taken that and, and built it and honed it into my craft and, and it, and it worked well for me. And, you know, if I can help people learn how to do that through my book, then all the better.
1: I was wondering if you could give us two or three of the top leadership lessons that you outlined in your book.
2: Uh, so as far as leadership lessons are concerned, uh, there's really, um, you know, when it, when it comes to the book, it's, it's really, um, a matter of once again taking responsibility for yourself and um not over complicating um the, the concept of leadership in, in the marine corps we have a um a term called uh, kiss i think everybody's heard of that keep it simple stupid and um, the thing is is that when when you make a, a, a leadership more objective um it creates kind of a um an open platform right um, so to speak not just for you to be approachable with um, the people in your organization that that you do lead to have them feel like they have a voice right and so you're you're being objective um and you're allowing them kind of a platform with which to speak their mind their concerns um uh, you know things that they may be dealing with and having that open door policy right well also in terms of uh being objective also being being objective with yourself so not having too much ego uh not having too too much um i i guess you could say um confidence in the success that you've already had uh, but really just being humble enough to um, be completely objective about where you're at uh, because that helps you avoid, I think, you know, in the long run complacency. So, you know, those, those are leadership lessons that I think, um, you know, over time, uh, have ultimately repeated themselves. They seem to repeat themselves in different forms and fashions with leaders of the past to leaders of today. And, um, you know, I think if we can kind of, you know, just keep that sense of humility and objectiveness and then, just realize that, you know, the brain only works one way, right? The brain works one way. And, um, if we remember that, you know, everything is a psychological process, um, then I, I think, you know, as leaders, we'll be able to kind of move forward and and achieve our goals and help other people achieve their goals as well, but not repeat the same mistakes. Um, many organizations have, they say history repeats itself, but I don't think it's history that's repeating itself. I I just think it's basic psychological human tendencies. So instead of learning from lessons in the past, if we can more so just kind of focus on the human psyche, uh, I think we can start to predict, um, you know, where we might uh, be headed potentially to disaster or uh, potentially prone to, to repeating some of the same mistakes. I think we can avoid that as leaders and, you know, um, leading our organizations as
1: well. Well, one of the things that I'm asked about quite often, I, you've touched on a couple of times, uh, and it, it really revolves around operational leadership, but not literally at the top, but sort of at middle management. So I speak with a lot of corporations where they say, yeah, we have great tone at the top, but how do we translate that into uh, middle management so that the lower ranks, the lower folks at the end of the totem pole really uh, understand what uh, the tone is, but also they're able to fully implement uh, what the business objective is. Do these lessons really help middle management as well? Or does your experience in the Marine Corps really help you uh, uh, to work with corporations for that purpose?
2: Well, once again, I I mean, it goes back to the, the fact that everybody is a leader. I always gave the analogy of, if you had, a uh, let's say, a, a company of 10,000 people, um, they're sitting in an auditorium um, and they have a keynote speaker come in. Uh, it could be someone from outside the organization or internally, uh, but they have a keynote speaker come in and that keynote speaker asks everybody in the audience, you know, who are my leaders in the audience? And let's say uh, John, let's just say hypothetically, John is sitting next to, uh Rob, right? And Rob is John's boss. Um and then Rob is sitting next to his boss. Uh let's just say, you know, um Brandon is his name. So we had John, Rob, and Brandon. And they're all sitting next to each other. And the keynote says, Who are my leaders in the audience? Well, John John is afraid to uh raise his hand because there's that saying that goes, Don't outshine your boss or don't outwork your boss or don't overstep your boundary or your role, right? And so he doesn't—he doesn't raise his hand. He may have great ideas that could potentially lead that organization, um, you know, to the top of the market, or uh, you know, he may have a great idea for a new product that can make the organization a lot of money or save a lot of lives, whatever that may be. But he doesn't raise his hand, so the organization never finds out, right? They never um, get to hear about that idea. And that's sad, and this is why a lot of organizations have trouble with innovation. Let's just say they're not good at innovation. It's Because of the, the bureaucracy that happens within the organization, there's this gap between top-level management and mid-level management, and, and then the employees underneath, right? And so there's that gap that exists. And because of, of that gap between, let's say, John and, uh, you know, um, rob or brandon for example which is brandon is john and rob's manager so let's just say you know between the three of them there, there's that gap and um so good ideas never get heard, and so you have things like think tanks and ideation sessions and this and that but it doesn't really truly because you still have that that middle management top level management uh you know kind of structure so to speak um, and everybody's concerned about their job and this and that, and appeasing egos throughout the organization because you you have that structure. It's almost kind of archaic. Whether you have ideation sessions or think tank sessions or not, it doesn't work because you don't have the uh, the leadership structure. You you have you you have the management structure, but you don't have the leadership structure. So you manage processes to achieve a dollar, shareholder driven, but you don't have the leadership structure. And because you don't have the leadership structure, that that is why you have high turnover. That is why good ideas never get heard. That's why organizations get put out of business. And so once again, with the Marine Corps, everybody is a leader and you have that structure of the military. And that is one reason why military members leave. They they crave that structure. That's why their transition is so hard. Um, because they crave that structure, they crave that leadership, and it just doesn't exist. So my advice to corporations would be start building a leadership structure, start making people, even all the way down to your secretary or the janitor, everybody is a leader. And if you build that kind of school of thought into your organization, I think you're going to start to see a world of difference. But again, that takes time. And um, when you have people moving from one company to another, uh, different companies have different types of structures. And so that can be very tough to create when you have years and years and years of corporate professionals who have been doing things one way and they think that their way is the best. But again, it's that that ego. So hopefully that, that answers your question in terms of how can middle management, how can middle management um, be more effective, so to speak, um, how, how can we help middle management out? Well, it would be my advice to the shareholders and to the um, people in the C-level suite to start implementing that school of thought throughout your organization that everybody is a leader.
1: Uh, let me turn to your business or businesses uh, because I was incredibly intrigued on your website where you say capitalism as defined by Paul Claxton. So could you tell us... L- first of all, how you define capitalism, but why did you put that right up front?
2: Uh, because uh, once again, I mean, that goes that goes back to the shareholders. I'm going to give you an example. Jeff Bezos, um, during his first, I, I think it was like around like the first seven to 10 years um, of his company, like they, he was losing money. And he said, you know, we can lose money and be more competitive because it, if we go lean, then we can operate more efficient or we can operate, um, uh, more competitively than, um, other organizations, um, you know, that we're competing against who, who can't afford to lose money. But if we go in it with the concept of like, look, we can afford, we're, we're going to go lean. We're going to lose money. That's, that's the way it is. Um, and we're still going to operate. And that's, so he went through that, uh, kind of, you know, through the first 10 years or so of his organization. He's putting companies out of business because those companies he's competing against, they, they feel like they couldn't afford to lose money. And so, you know, when you look at capitalism, it's like, who are you competing against? What can you afford to lose? And it's everybody that feels like they have something to lose have, has already lost and so that's once again, I'll go back to the Marine Corps. Um, that is what makes the Marine Corps so effective, is that we keep it simple. And I believe that if organizations would just keep it, don't over don't overcomplicate leadership, don't overcomplicate your business processes, just focus on action and execution. And if you just focus on on you know just the angle, action and execution, forget everything else in between because it's all variables. What is the fixed, you know, what is the fixed, what are we fixed on, so to speak? And so if you can do that and just kind of go at it with like a nothing to lose type of approach, then I think that's a winning strategy. Um, even Warren Buffett said, be greedy when others are fearful and fearful when others are greedy. And you asked me about COVID, and I've been very, I've been very greedy this year in terms of my business when others have been fearful. I actually stepped up the, I pushed on the accelerator, like more all the way to the floor. When others were pulling back, I'm like, this is a time to actually capitalize on the market. And so hopefully that answers your question in terms of, um, you know, what do I believe that capitalism truly is? And it's going at business, going at the market, like you have nothing to lose. And, but it's gotta be for a good cause. You know, it's got to be to improve life. You got to be solving problems. Amazon solves real world problems. And and I keep going back to Amazon. They solve real world problems. Um, Netflix, let's say, for example, great company, fantastic company. They've done very well in the market. But, you know, redefining the way that we watch movies, redefining the way that we watch movies is not solving real world problems. It's just not. Amazon is solving real world problems and they're creating tons of jobs. And that's why they're one of the most successful companies. Um, And so I look at it as how do we advance society forward and solve real world problems? Um, Whether it be the global crisis or the United Nations sustainable development goals, that's what's going to last. And so you have guys like Elon Musk that are going out and exploring space. He is solving a real world problem because we have limited resources here on earth. And spatial exploration will be the true key to our survival as a human species. Um, we have to go with outside of ourselves and breach comfort zones like we have nothing to lose. And um, I, I'll give you another example, my final example on this. Um, Elon Musk, uh, you know, he, he he's like, you know, I invested all my money into my companies. I had $180 million. I was broke. Now, he wasn't really broke. We, we know that. but you know, from a standpoint of running his companies, he invested all the money operationally into his companies and there there was nothing left over. He, he went at it like he had nothing to lose. And and I, I believe that that's what capitalism is about.
1: So uh, let me change uh, the focus just a little bit to ask you uh, to say a few words about your own work, mentoring uh, veterans. Could you tell us about that?
2: yeah t- uh, so i've mentored veterans uh well number one because th- there's some really great platforms out there to do it in the first place but um I, I didn't have a lot of i didn't have people available um for the most part um to mentor me um, you know 90 percent of my uh learning has, has been going through the hard knocks and um you know i've i've got a uh like three members um, that have been there, but, you know, from time to time when I need them, but most of what I've learned is just been going through the hard knocks and, and quite honestly, mentors are quite honestly, it's the, the whole concept of it is just overrated. Um, you know, you can, I, you can give advice, but like, once again, not repeating, not re- you, you can't really learn from lessons. You, I don't think you can, you, you have to understand human psychology. You can't learn from lessons or learn from people that have, have, uh, essentially, uh, you know, been through, um, uh, trials and tribulations, right? Because there you can't do it the way they did it because every experience is, is very individualized. It's very personal, so to speak. But what you have to do is you have to kind of take bits and pieces from, from your predecessors or, people that have had similar experiences and build that and make that into your own. And so um, that's kind of what I've done over the last 10 years since I left the Marine Corps is I've taken bits and pieces of knowledge, so to speak, um, and I've built that into my own. And I realized how important that was for me leaving the Marine Corps, you know, during my transition, I was like, I got to pay this forward. I I got to, I got to help others because I figured out a lot of little tricks and and different things that have helped me get through my personal experiences and if i can share that with others they need to take that and then build it into their own and hopefully if they can take that and apply it and build it into their own hopefully they can avoid many of the pitfalls that i've had to go through um, you know in personal life and, and business uh as it relates to my transition um, hopefully they can, if they decide to be an entrepreneur, hopefully they can avoid, um, things that I've experienced as an entrepreneur, um, that I had to learn because I was, I was ignorant. I didn't know, you know, um, or perhaps I was naive. Um, and so ultimately, you know, if, if we can, if we can look, learn from kind of those, those experiences of others and make it into our own, then, then we'll be better off. And so um once again that's just a pay it forward type type of thing one of the reasons i'm on this podcast just a pay it forward type of thing um that that i'm trying to do uh is i continue to learn and grow on my own you know to share that with others so um and and i get a a lot of self-fulfillment out of that that's what life is about is serving others to me
1: so Paul, unfortunately, we're near the end of our time, but I was wondering if our listeners wanted to find out more about you, more about your business offerings, the book, or even get in touch with you, how would they do so?
2: Yep, so the best place to go is bambusinesses.com. Um, and if you go in the in the header um, section, you can find a um, page on my site that's titled Podcasts and Conferences. Um, that's the best place to go if you want to listen to other Um, speaking engagements, editorials I've been in. Um, Otherwise, if if you want to learn anything else about me, you know, there's there's a a quote section on my website, and then there's a a biography section, a CV section, as well as a a place to recruit me for other advisory or um, business engagements and speaking engagements.
1: Well, Paul, I wanted to thank you for taking the time to visit with me. This has been just a a great uh, uh, interview and Uh, For the listeners out there, uh, I know Paul is uh, ready, willing, and able to visit with you. So go to his website today uh, and schedule a time to visit with him. Paul, I look forward to continuing the conversation.
2: Yep. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Dusty Rollins here. Thank you so much for listening to Profiles in Persistence. If you're a successful business owner or entrepreneur who would like to be on this program, please visit thetaxcure.com slash podcast slash apply. And if you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag profiles in persistence. I love seeing your posts and your guest suggestions. We're regularly putting out new episodes and content, so make sure you don't miss any episodes and go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to our website, www.thetaxcure.com, or follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for listening and we will see you next time.